Horrible things had happened back in the old country. But there was a disconnect between that carnage and my sweet existence as a suburban teenager. My life growing up in a Massachusetts subdivision was filled with pot-smoking teenagers in torn jeans who barely paid attention to school and in their spare time protested the Vietnam War. In another universe, a long time ago, Kurdish tribesmen armed with pistols and knives had terrorized villagers and abducted young Christian women. My grandfather's world was genuinely dangerous. The stories I had heard at his knee were so intense they seemed mythic, unreal, more like adventure stories than real life. These events had taken place in a land a million miles away, a place my grandfather called Armenia. I loved Armenian food, I loved Armenian weddings and the strange choral music sung in our churches, but I was an American kid, not an Armenian. As I began my career as an author and actor, I refrained from emphasizing my roots. I didn't want to be pigeonholed as an exotic ethnic actor, and if I was going to write about the human condition, I would represent the world I knew, the leafy suburbs of New England and later the streets of New York City, not the harsh plains of Anatolia, of which I had no direct experience. The Armenian history that I had come to know through my grandfather's stories was not my history. I had not suffered in the desert. I had not lost loved ones there. I had not witnessed atrocities firsthand. Why should I be the one to write about those sad events from so long ago? When I first heard about the assassination of Talat Pasha, about twenty years ago, the story seemed more like wishful thinking than the truth. Mehmet Talat Pasha, a leader of the Ottoman Empire during World War I, had been assassinated in 1921 in Berlin by a young Armenian. The twist was this young engineering student, Sogoman Tetlirian, was acquitted and set free. A supreme act of vengeance had seemingly been pardoned. To most Armenians, this made perfect sense. Talat was a monster. He was responsible for a massive tragedy. And Tetlirian slew him like David slew Goliath. Like my grandfather's stories, Talat's death brought to mind an episode from a 19th century novel. When I came upon a reference to Tetlerian, again in Peter Balakian's Black Dog of Fate, and a few years later in Samantha Power's Pulitzer Prize-winning book on genocide, A Problem from Hell, I realized that this was not some kind of Armenian urban legend. Peter Balakian, whose great-uncle had been a witness at Tetlerian's trial, and Samantha Power told the same tale. Tetlerian had been a survivor of the genocide who had seen his entire family brutally massacred by Turks. He had then chanced upon Talat, who was in hiding in Berlin after the war. After his arrest, Tetlerian explained to the police that he had been driven to shoot Talat by the effect of all that he had witnessed. Incredibly, the judge and jury sided with the young assassin, sympathizing with his suffering and loss. The June 4, 1921 New York Times headline summed it up. They simply had to let him go. I found the transcript of Tetlerian's trial online. It was packed with gruesome details of Sogoman's ordeal, as well as a blow-by-blow description of the assassination. Why wasn't there a book or a film based on Tetlerian, I wondered. Clearly, the killing of Talat and Tetlerian's exoneration were tailor-made source material for a motion picture. I could easily imagine the structure of a big film. Act 1, the deportations and massacres in the desert. Act 2, Berlin, the assassination. Act 3, the trial and the triumphant acquittal. 
a true story filled with pathos and complexity and history. I had finally found an Armenian subject that would challenge me as a writer and memorialize my beloved grandfather. I decided to set aside a few months to write the screenplay. As soon as I began to sketch out a draft, obvious questions came to mind. How does an engineering student manage to kill a man who has spent his life surrounded by bodyguards? And with one shot? In the middle of a busy street? In the middle of the day? How did Tetlerian, a man who could barely speak German, get his hands on a gun in post-war Berlin? Was Tetlerian really a student? There was no evidence of his attending classes or having any friends who were students. If he wasn't a student, what was he doing in Berlin in the first place? How did he support himself? He didn't seem to have had a job. I read the court transcript over and over again. Something was wrong with this picture.